G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. About some practical needs today that can be met and matching up skills with the needs right across churches throughout Australia. We're going to talk about the changing face of the local church. We're going to be talking about whether the street appeal and the image and function of facilities in our local churches is as important as it ever has been. And whose responsibility is it to talk about these things and to take some sorts of action? And now with the connectedness that we have, like never before, there may be some ways that churches can connect with the right people skills to bring a little bit of polish and shine to a tired image. So how do we see the face of the local church changing? Uh, let me give you a few points here to consider as we get things underway. Does your church signage need to be more contemporary? What about the idea of repurposing your church facilities to meet the needs of your community today. It's winter time, so what about upgrading heating for now and thinking about cooling before summer? And what about in an age of Zoom, the need for church studio sets for streaming opportunities and podcasts? Well, today we're going to look to connect skills with infrastructure needs all around Australia. And our special guest through this coming hour is Terence Baxter. He's the CEO at Mobile Mission Maintenance. And I'll be giving the Mobile Mission Maintenance website, MMM, so simple, mmm.org.au, so that you can either register your own, perhaps, uh, idea about what is needed in your local church. And uh, there may be some skills that can be uh, put in place to help that need be met. Terence Baxter, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be talking with you again. <laughs> Terence, look, let's just start with last year, which was a not-so-easy year for mobile mission maintenance because of the COVID issues, uh, borders closed, uh, lockdowns. It uh, wasn't an easy year for mobile mission maintenance. Uh, things have picked up this year. But now you've got another lockdown that's happening in Victoria. But uh, give us some insight here into what's happening because you've got a Victorian team that might be locked down, but you've got teams all over the country still operating. We do, Neil. We do. Look, last year was a... Oh, everybody will say the same thing. It was a, it was the year of COVID. It was the year of lockdowns and it was the year of frustrations. And, uh, you know, a lot of people work from home. Um, there's something we found last year, and that's that it's simply this: it's really hard to paint a church remotely. It's really hard to build a church remotely. You've got to be on site. So it was very frustrating for us to be uh, locked away for periods of time. Um, everybody, every every state experienced lockdowns last year, not the least of which was Victoria with 140 days of lockdown, and that was very frustrating. But 
you know, as it began to clear, you know, we had to have a plan in place uh, and a safe plan for our guys, our, our volunteers. Uh, we put all that into place and we're back on the road and uh, functioning and firing on all cylinders until a little over a week ago or just a week ago in Victoria when we went into another shutdown. Now, you've got teams that function all over Australia. You're not necessarily bound by all the teams coming out of, you know, headquarters base in Victoria. You've got, uh, you've got fabulous True. operations in Queensland. Is there any states or territory that doesn't have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, teams functioning? We're, we're represented in every state. Uh, we have volunteers in every state, but we don't have bases in every state. So our bases are in Queensland, uh, in New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania and Western Australia. And for the two in the middle that aren't covered out of that, uh, South Australia is covered out of Victoria. That's all one region for us. And technically, uh, the Northern Territory is covered out of Queensland. Um, but we organise our safari teams, what we call our safari teams, to get into those regions where they spend a significant amount of time on the road there and and do a series of jobs, not just one or two. And you've got a safari team, <coughs> from what I understand right now, they're in Alice Springs and they're journeying north. Uh, the safari team, give us a little uh, inspiration here about what they've been doing. Well, uh, most of them got out of Victoria while it was still... Oh, they're from all over Australia, by the way, but they uh, they did head out of Victoria several weeks ago. Uh, some of them are having a bit of a break on the way, uh, a bit of sightseeing to get there. Um, as you can imagine, from anywhere in Australia, uh, Alice Springs is not just around the corner. And so <coughs> it's a fair journey. Um, but teams, that team has actually come together. We have people from Albany, from Townsville, from over New South Wales and Queensland and all over Victoria. The only region that we're not really represented at the moment at the moment is Tasmania because they've got a whole bunch of work happening down there themselves. So so that team has come together from all points in Australia, uh, converged on Alice Springs just a week and a half ago. They just about finished their first project, which is at uh, Living Hope Church in Alice Springs. Um, and they've been working there for a couple of weeks doing a whole bunch of maintenance and construction uh, tasks for that church. And they're heading north and uh, on their way uh, up into Arnhem Land. Uh, so, you know, you've got teams. This is, uh, this is important, I think, uh, the fact that, you know, you're not restricted. You'll have, a, you'll have teams that are, you know, depending on who's a part of those teams, prepared to go all over the place. They are, and look, one of the one of the most fantastic things is um, this team is so big in t in our terms that we couldn't send everybody in. The first place we're going after Alice Springs is a tiny little uh, indigenous community called Nooka. Uh, it's on the southeastern corner of Arnhem Land, and uh, it's twelve hundred and seventy eight kilometres from Alice Springs to Nooka. So it's a fair drive. But we can't send the whole team in there. Now, you know, we're, we, one of the things we have to deal with is, the, is we're very sensitive to the Indigenous communities and what they do, and they give us a number of people that we can send in there. We have more people on this team than what we can send to Nooka. So we're actually splitting the team. Uh, Two-thirds of it's going to Nooka to do some work there on uh, Mission House there. 
and the other one third are heading up to Darwin to work in an OMF uh, mission centre up in Darwin for a week or two. Well, you're on your way with the team to Nakur, and uh, there is something famous about Nakur. And just uh, just to mention, and I know that our listeners in the Northern Territory, uh, well, you you might know the story, but uh, famous story of the first Aboriginal Anglican priest in the Northern Territory. He was known as Gumbali of Nakur, and uh, he's an historic Christian figure. He was the subject of the book that was the winner of the Australian Christian Book of the Year back in 2012. And I remember doing an interview with the author of that book, Murray Seifert. But uh, mm. Nakur, and you're going there, and it's uh, it's got an historic uh, element to it uh, in the Northern Territory. And so just to indicate, wow, the mobile mission maintenance team uh, can go anywhere. And uh, you've got teams. And look, is it the case, give us a little bit of idea here about the heart of people who are a part of the mobile mission maintenance teams, uh, that sometimes uh, the little more ad- the more adventurous the better is that is that sometimes the case? Oh yeah, yeah look, I've got to say, adventure isn't uh, neglecting safety. Adventure is getting out there and seeing things, but doing it safely. That's the first thing. We have a very stringent safety policy that we we operate, uh, which includes a COVID plan for all of the sites that we go to to make sure that everyone is safe and secure. Um, but yeah, it is a big adventure, and it's a they, you know they see parts of Australia that that a lot of people don't often get to see, and they see it in depth as well. Um, we give them a week off in between uh, the Alice Springs project and Nooka to drive up there. There's a fleet of caravans and uh, and vehicles that are going. Uh, they do travel in a sort of a convoy. They're not all line astern on the highway, but uh, they'll go up to Mataranka, and that's the turn-off point to get to Nooka, and they'll probably spend a couple of days in Mataranka, and they'll get to see some of the beautiful sights around that place and uh, head out to Nooka, which is 250 kilometres east of Mataranka. So um, it is a big venture. Um, it, they will experience the the culture of this country that a lot of people don't get to to experience, and that is the first hand Indigenous community, and uh, and that's a that's a very very special thing. Terence, I know I've spoken to you about this sort of thing before uh, because when you've got a team, uh, everyone's on the road. As you say, there's a a convoy heading from town to town and there are certain skills that you need to do particular jobs. I mean, as you say, you don't sacrifice uh, safety when you're actually doing jobs around the country. But uh, the sort of people who are uh, involved in the mobile mission maintenance teams, give us a little profile here of the, the typical type of person Person who's involved? Yeah. Um, look, they're you and me, Neil. They're people that have the best attribute that anybody can have to be on a on a work team is availability. Um, doesn't matter what their skills are. Most people have got some sort of handyman skills, uh, trade skills uh, that that they can use. This team is made up of a guy, the, one of the guys that's team leading. We've got two team leaders on the on the tour. Um, one of the guys is actually his his qualification is he's a pian- pianist, <laughs> but he's he's a great people leader and a great coordinator and uh, and he's got uh, very willing hands to uh, 
to uh, get in and do whatever's necessary. But he's surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that have a range of skills. Um, we've got a couple there that come from Canada originally. He was a farmer in Canada. Farmers are great, Neil. I've got to tell you, farmers are the best people to have on teams because they can do just about anything uh, in innovation. Um, we've got a guy who's an electrician. He's coming all the way from Townsville. Uh, we've got a sign writer slash painter who's come all the way from Albany. Uh, we've got a guy who's a carpenter who's there. And uh, I've got a uh, one of Australia's, or well, he's retired now, but he was one of Australia's leading structural engineers who's on this too. And he just wants to get out and surf with his hands. So it's, wow. it's the willingness to serve that, that does it. I'm staggered, Neil. Uh, at the way that God brings these people together, um, because we just put the ad out there, we we advertise it and, uh, around our around our, our networks, and say so we're running this. And how can I say it? The, the the skills that have come have almost identically matched the tasks that we've got to do in the seven projects they're doing in the safari, and that happens all across Australia. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. I think we are prompting the question today on 2020, what needs fixing Fixing when it comes to the uh, the infrastructure of our local churches? And, and if you're in a big city and a big city church, you might be thinking, well, uh, we just have a converted warehouse. Uh, if you're in a country church, your church may look a completely different to what things look like in the cities. So there's a big variety of needs that we can talk about in the things we are discussing today with Terence Baxter. He's the CEO at Mobile Mission maintenance. Terence, when we talk about MMM, mobile mission maintenance, there's a certain sense in which uh, you know, you're not necessarily talking about putting on a whole new wing of your church or building whole new church buildings, although you may be involved in some of those sorts of projects, but there's a lot of things that churches need that they don't have the skills for. Uh, what are the sort of typical type things that you do in the, when a team arrives in a town? Um, look, how many days are there in a year? <laughs> they, they're varied. Every church has different needs, um, and some we can help and some we can't. Uh, but the sort of things that, that I see in local churches is, is one, the outside appearance of the church. Um, this is a really... Uh, it shouldn't be this way, but it is. If you have a very tardy-looking building and, you know, and it's, it, it looks horrible, the community doesn't want to go there and it shouldn't be like that but it is um, people in, in the world look at the exterior appearance rather than what's happening inside until they have a real need uh, a real spiritual need then they'll go inside no matter what but we get a lot of requests to help fix up the outside look and, and maintain it so that it's not decaying uh, painting a church uh, fixing weatherboards and things like that uh, just bringing them up, back up and keeping them in a, in a fit for purpose state uh, internally again it's painting and things like that uh, internal modifications uh, things like cry rooms for kids uh, setting those up uh, with view windows so that mums that have got little babies can go to a church and not and, and not feel awkward if they if their child's a little bit noisy they can still enjoy the service in a cry room and places like that we get requests like that. Um, what we've seen over the last 12 months is uh, an increase in churches wanting facilities, and I think you mentioned this in your intro, um, facilities for online services. 
uh, how do we how do we set that up? You know, what does it need? Do we need an, uh, a room specifically set up for that sort of thing? And we can we can facilitate those sort of things and work with uh, uh, skilled people in those areas that uh, can do the electronics and the bits and pieces that, that that are local to the local church. But having a room that is, and you'd know about this because you sit in a beautiful studio uh, that is soundproofed. How do you make it soundproof so that somebody walking down the corridor outside uh, isn't interrupted? the broadcast that's being recorded for next Sunday service because the the model of church has changed because of COVID. Um, Isn't it easy, significantly, Terence, if you are in a church building and it is looking a little run down, the image isn't the way it once was uh, some decades ago, that it's easy mm. perhaps, and some people have this gift to be able to recognise what needs to be done. Others just uh, take for granted that's just the way it is. Uh, people accept us as we are. Let's not do anything about it at all. Uh, no need here. Uh, there's a certain sense in which you can be blind to needs. Uh, but there are some people, and I no doubt uh, lots of people on your MMM teams uh, have that sort of special gift to be able to recognise what needs to be done. Mm. Yeah. Look, uh, I draw from experience of my, my personal experience. Uh, I was involved with a church that uh, that was growing and growing rapidly and we needed new facilities. We actually uh, purchased a large factory. Now, you know this place, Neil. You've been there. Um, it, it is significantly large. When we engaged an architect to redesign and redevelop this, our brief to the architect was this. It has to have the look and feel of a shopping centre. Now, that may seem strange to some people, but that's where people in the world most feel comfortable. So whilst it's a church the image or the branding or the, 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 the ambience of the place when they walk into it isn't like a claustrophobic church that is a specialised little club for people. It's a welcoming environment where they feel comfortable. And that's the, that's the underlying thing with, with facilities is that people need to feel comfortable when they walk in. And if they walk into something that is or use the facilities as something that is uh, old, ancient, decaying and not fit for purpose, they draw a, 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 a picture in their, in their subconscious of, do I really want to be here? This is, this is, they don't care about this. If they don't care about it, why should we? Well, there's help for you today if uh, your church needs a little bit of a shine and uh, MMM au. That's the website for mobile mission maintenance. Uh, you might have a need. You can connect with Terence Baxter today, mmm.org.au. And if you have a skill that you want to offer and be a part of what can happen in churches all around Australia, that's the same website. Uh, connect those skills with the needs today. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from John in Victoria. Hi, John. Welcome. Hi, uh, thanks. Um I was just going to respond to what you said in your intro about um, the monetization of the church and, like, um, the tech spaces and stuff. Um, yeah. You said um, about um, uh, should we uh, try to be modernized how sort of, like, the church looks and how we sort of, I think, um, uh, broadcast to sort of other people um, how we sort of say things in a way I'm sort of going off. But... Um, uh, I think uh, we need to sort of keep it a bit um, intermediate because um, uh, what the church is trying to say, which is the gospel, isn't the most prettiest thing. Like, relationship with God is, is very good, but um, the conviction of sin is, isn't, the, isn't, um, 
isn't pretty. It's um, it's quite a serious thing. We shouldn't. I think um, we shouldn't try and uh, make everything look so solemn and stuff. But I think um, we need to uh, keep it intermediate between modern and sort of old. I think, in my opinion, and also um, about your text basis. I think um, the church needs to have a presence in all forms of of uh, of life. Um, like for people to be able to access, especially in the internet now, we live in an internet age, and I think um, where the church is a little bit um, hesitant to to use it a little bit, but I think um, that's something that the church should be um, aiming to uh, use to reach with people with the gospel. John, good thoughts there. Let's get a response from Terence. Terence, what are your thoughts as John shares those ideas? Look, that was that, John's John's spot on, you know. And I used the term before, fit for purpose. Uh, COVID, if it's taught us one thing, is that um, the church needs to engage with the community, however we can reach the community. Um, Fifty years ago, the church reached the community by everyone coming to the church for functions. Uh, Eighty years ago. Um, now we reach out to the community with different programs because they don't readily come into a church building. They don't just walk in off the street uh, and have an association like they used to. So COVID has taught us one thing, that there's a whole community out there that spends their life online. How do we reach them? And we were forced into this. We were forced into it through COVID because churches couldn't meet physically because of the restrictions and churches suddenly found a way to do church online, either through Facebook or live streaming through their own web technologies, live streaming, um, different apps that are out there for churches. And having the facilities and the technical know-how and the ability to do that means that you are going to engage with the community more and meet their needs where they're at. And while I've got John here on the line from Victoria, there's a certain sense, and I I picked this up, John, from your comment, that you don't want to change things, say, if you have even a heritage-style building. You don't want to change things and lose Mm. the character which actually amplifies the message, uh, which, as John says, is a serious message. Uh, This message of redemption, uh, this message of salvation, the gospel message is good news into a bad situation. But uh, John is saying, I think, don't lose the character of that. But at the same time, uh, John says, yes, we've got to be ready online and uh, to be able to do the 21st century thing so this idea of keeping the character but being updated mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the sort of thing that's necessary it's really important really important that's okay a good point john john thank you so much for your call you can join in our conversation today 1-800-316-316 uh, john was sort of t- talking too about the idea of repurposing because uh, when he says yes you've got to be ready to meet a 21st century uh, audience or a 21st century people who will, uh, you know, see the church is worth coming to. Uh, very quickly, Terence here, because at nearly news time, this idea of repurposing is something we can all think about the elements of our local church and how things could be done differently. Neil, can I make a point, really succinct point here, and it, it, it builds on what John said. The message doesn't change. The method does, and the presentation may. Uh, 
but the message of Jesus Christ is that he died for our sins. It's not the church's job to convict people of sin. It's the Holy Spirit's. We've just got to get people into an environment where, they, where they're open to the Holy Spirit. And I've been saying the website for mobile mission maintenance, and it's easier than ever to at least flag the idea that you might have a need here and is there some sort of help you can get. When you go to the mobile mission maintenance website, mmm.org.au, there's a couple of tabs there you can click on. One says request assistance, which will be talking about the needs in your community, or get involved, uh, talking about how you might be part of an MMM team and doing that adventure stuff we're talking about, being a part of a mission effort here on our shores in Australia. And Terence Baxter, the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance, Terence, uh, just quickly, is it all older people doing what you do with Mobile Mission Maintenance? What about young people and opportunities for their involvement? Well, I'm a young person, Neil. Um, okay. I, I don't look okay. it. No, I wasn't right. born... <laughs> Not that I would suggest uh, anything such uh, that you were ageing at all, Terence. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, no, it's not just it's not just old retirees. Um, we we have a range of uh, ages across our our volunteers, um, and it depends sometimes on what the volunteers are doing as well. Um, you know, one of the miracle stories we've had um, is we've had people come to us through COVID um, because they're locked down, because they've had time to think, because they've had time to to sit and say, "Gee, I'm just sitting around as useless. What can I do?" Uh, I don't want to sit around for the rest of my life. What can I do? And the moment that they could, they linked up with us and we've had uh, several volunteers come to us of all sorts of age groups. Um, we got a young couple that came to us in the middle of last year uh, in Queensland, to our Queensland base, um, and they they had to defer their involvement, getting involved with us because they're actually getting married. But they've committed to a minimum of two years full-time with us because that's what they felt God was challenging them to do. And we have a range of volunteers right across the nation. They're not all old. Some are young like this young couple. And... Uh, and we can use them wherever. Some people come to us and say, I can't swing a hammer, I can't paint, I can't do this, but I'm happy to be on a computer and, and help out in our admin. Uh, in, uh, I'm happy, you know, I can. one of my gifts is I pray. And we, we need people that pray consistently. We have a prayer network across the nation. I have a national prayer coordinator who does it. And talk about reinventing things. We had to reinvent the way we do our prayer networks uh, through COVID. Uh, we had a tradition of coming together and it was always a fellowship lunch and we would sit and pray for an hour for the work of MMM uh, following that lunch. You can't do that when you're locked down and we had to go into a Zoom thing. All of a sudden, our local our local thing, even just the one in from our head office in Melbourne, um, that, that became a national one and we had people linking in from all over Australia and overseas, uh, linking into our prayer meetings and being a part of it. And that speaks to me about we we adapt to the needs of the issues that we face and if we can do that it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are you can get involved taking calls on 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to our facebook question today asking what building and image improvements do you think your local church needs to meet 21st century expectations. We'll I'll reflect a few of those thoughts in just a few moments, but let's take another call. James is on the line from just outside Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, James. Welcome. 
G'day, Neil. G'day, everyone. Look, I think this is a really good topic, actually, and I just want to say a big thank you to the guys that are actually doing the work because it sounds like it's something that really needs to be done. Um, but my comment, I guess, would be I think we should be wary about spending too much money on things that we put in the church and and we have too much money on the church. We don't want to make the church look so flashy and so big and so nice that people outside of the church don't want to come in. I think that's something that we need to be wary about and something we need to see, sort of be cautious of. James, do you think, though, uh, that uh, contemporary Australians uh, actually are attracted to an unattractive uh, church building as somewhere they'd visit? I mean, some might, some might argue the opposite and say somehow or other um, modern contemporary Aussies actually are attracted to the idea that uh, a church building might be functional and uh, clean and looking contemporary. And, and what, that's, that's a little bit different to what you're suggesting here. Yeah, oh, look, I think there's nothing wrong with it being sort of clean and contemporary, but when we go over the top and we, when you have someone, I recently took a friend of mine to church who's a non-Christian, and he came out of it at the end of the sermon and he said, I counted four projectors, a heap of different things, and all up I reckon it would have cost them half a million dollars to do it all. And I, and. That's sort of the thing. We want to be careful that we don't sort of have people going into the church saying, well, look how much money they spent when there's a good building just down the road that they could have been meeting in because it's not the building isn't the church. The church is the people. Okay, let's get a thought or two from Terence. Terence, your thoughts for James. James, you're right. We have to be careful of every dollar that we spend and you know one of the challenges we have is to be good stewards and you know I've been talking to people about this and it's topical that you should raise it now what is good stewardship Uh, is good stewardship ending up with a pile of money at the end of the day or is it doing what God has wanted you to do with what with the resources that he's given you doesn't matter whether that's cash or buildings or whatever we talk about uh, not so much having a flashy building, but having a building that is, or facilities, I should say, that are fit for purpose. In other words, something can be overfit. Now, I'm going to I'm going to use Vision Radio here as an example. Uh, sorry about this, Neil, but well, okay. I've been to well, your, we'll I've been to your <laughs> facilities, okay, on yeah. multiple occasions, and I the the old facilities that you moved out of a year and a bit ago, yeah. um, I looked at it. And I probably made this comment to you at some stage. They're not really fit for purpose. You've just adapted it. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got magnificent facilities now that people could look and say, it would be easy to say it's ostentatious, but I can tell you now, you're in facilities that are fit for purpose for a media organisation. And so we have to be careful that we're, we're doing things that are fit for purpose. Um, what's the purpose of the local church? I'll tell you this. The purpose of the local church is not to own buildings. It's to reach the lost. And so that doesn't say we don't have buildings. We, we, the purpose of the church is to reach the lost. A consequence of that purpose is that we need facilities to work out of that are fit for purpose. And it should be appropriate 
to the local community and what they're doing. And thank you so much, James. A good insight. And uh, the sort of thing that I think we can all agree with, as James shared, is that gold plating extravagance is probably not what we need to uh, be aiming for. But uh, certainly your uh, your illustration there, and you'd be talking through this all the time, this idea of being fit for purpose, a uh, very powerful thing. And of course, fit for purpose. And you might like to uh, talk about how your own community sees things as fit for purpose. Let's continue to take some calls. Kevin is on the line from WA. Hi, Kevin. Oh, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Kevin. Good. To, yeah, I'm just wanting to say, look, I've, I've spent time with uh, mobile mission maintenance in the past. Um, back in 89, I actually went to Africa and we built nurses' quarters for a hospital way out in the sticks, really. And, uh, and that. so what I'm trying to say is that it's not... It's not all about just making the church look pretty um, and that. It's, um, I know mobile, mobile mission maintenance has a lot of um, uh, areas and a lot of um, different places that they actually work on. I, I know that they work on campsites and, uh, and convention centres or whatever and, um, and, and all these places far out. Um, it's not just about the church. Um, I'd just like to make that clear because um, there has been churches that they've helped and, and uh, helped to make a better, maybe a better facility. It's a little bit more practical, but it's not about making it look like the Vatican or anything, um, you know. And uh, you know, I've, I've spent some time with them, and it's a, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good um, uh, mission to be in because of the camaraderie with each other and the love for each other, and the the, the fact of helping each other out. And uh, what Jesus wants us to do is to help and, and love each other, and and help build the church. The church is not the building. It's, it's the church is out there in Africa or it's somewhere else, and that's what the church is. So I think um, we probably have, need to go into, just want to take this in a bit of a d- different direction to really say what the church possibly is. It's, it's, it's out there. Okay, good. Kevin, good thoughts. Your uh, response for Kevin, Terence. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to have Kevin come on and uh, testify of his work with MMM. That's great. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kevin's exactly right. We, do, we don't just work on churches. We work on Christian facilities and a lot of campsites. Uh, and camps play, campsites play such an important uh, a role in, in, in reaching the lost. You know, it, it's not just a bit for churches to go and have a, you know, their annual church camp or whatever. So many schools and so many young people and that get involved in the camping uh, things around Australia and uh, I know my friend Graham Jones at Christian Venues Australia, that's the peak body for campsites, we work with them so closely uh, making sure that their facilities are fit for purpose. Um, people don't want to be staying in rat infested places that are, and they're not like that trust me but uh, making sure that campsites are right, making sure that mission centres are right to be able to do what they do. Mission centres such OAM and, and WEC and, and uh, Alpha and places like this, they don't need a church set up. They need something that can help facilitate what they do to reach their community, to reach the people they're targeting to reach. And it's, he's right, it's not all about churches, it's about the Christian community and how they are engaging with the local community where they are. And that local community can be next door, 
in the next city, in the next state or the next country, depending on what they're called to do in God. Kevin, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. And, uh, you know, just to pick up on uh, the conversation today is not about whether you have a church building. Uh, I think we ought to uh, take for granted that a church building is a stake in the ground and if you've got someone who had that visionary opportunity to build a church in your community some decades ago that's the reason why you have church functioning and flourishing in your community because somebody had that foresight to do it and uh, they took that foresight when an opportunity was there to build when there were people there that were uh, going along with that whole vision to have a stake in the ground in your community and just before we move on to the next uh, caller just just quickly here this is not a bad time to be investing in your church building because low interest rate environments in fact take a leaf out of what's happening in business uh, right around the country people are saying this is a time to actually uh, consolidate and uh, contemporize uh, church facilities uh, what are your thoughts uh, for the idea of the timing right now terence I'll go back to scriptural references here. First of all, we know from we know that the Bible says there's a time for every purpose, a time to build and a time to tear down. Understand that. the The best example I can give you is that um, Joseph, when he was called, when he was in Egypt, he was there to put reserves in for years, and and they had seven fruitful years, and and they stored up grain, and they built grain stores, and they did it so that in the times when it wasn't appropriate or they couldn't do it, the reserves were there to do it. And we need to be mindful of the time that we're in, and if now is the time, the best economic time to be doing stuff that target uh, to, to set up your facilities for what your vision and mission is for your church, then, then now's the time to do it, not when you do it. Can I just say something really quickly also, Neil? Um, you know, we talk about a lot of old churches that we go and work in. One of the major requests we're getting is to upgrade kitchens. Now, when, when churches were built 30, 40, 60, 80, 100 years ago, they had a tiny little kitchen where they could boil water and do some scones for uh, the ladies that met during the week or something like that. I don't know. Now... Churches want kitchens so that they can reach out into the community and, and feed the hungry and feed the, you know, <laughs> James one twenty seven, my favourite scripture, the, the, you know, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, that we visit widows and orphans in their distress. What does that mean? It means that the church, the, the real role of the church is to meet the social needs, the pressing social needs in our community today. There are so many people going hungry. There are so many homeless people that churches are setting up their facilities to feed them with either food banks or kitchens or meal services. And we're getting asked more and more and more to help uh, remodel or or redesign or, or build an extra kitchen or extra storage facilities for a food bank in churches so that they're fit for the purpose that they're called for in their community. Well, I think you've touched on uh, that thing that uh, so many will recognise in their own local church. A kitchen upgrade could be the sort of thing that you might register as a need if you were in touch with mobile mission maintenance very quickly because I've got a a bunch of calls still to take. Uh, But when people do connect with MMM, mobile mission maintenance, and they register a need, uh, it's not as though 
everything just arrives and uh, and it's installed at no cost. You have this partnership with churches, and and really you're providing the skills and the labour, the workmanship to actually make things happen, which saves the church a huge amount of money. But uh, how does that partnership work? Just very quickly here, Terence. Well, we provide the labour and the project planning. So we have our team leaders, they'll, they'll plan the project in conjunction with the local church. So they come to us and say, we need this and this and this. Now, let me talk about the Alice Springs Church that we just did work on. Um, they, they sent us a whole list of things. Now, one of the things they needed was a carport to store their bus under so that it was not denigrating in the, in the outback heat. Uh, we built that carport for them, but we also, they, they reach out into the five town camps around Alice Springs, and we got this story, and it's a conversation we have with them about what they need, and they really needed their kitchen upgraded, and, and their kitchen worked on, and we, uh, our electrician had to put new wiring in, and a new oven in for them, and bits and pieces. Um, we got it all done, um, because that's what the local church needed, and it's it's making sure that those facilities that they need are, are right, and, and in place. Let's take some calls and we'll be quick with these calls. Sat is in Sydney. Hello Sat, welcome along. Hi, good morning. Just quickly, uh, I worked with uh, the group mid-80s and that's in Fiji and also here. But I just want to say one thing, it's a partnership. When I was working and we were both all the Christians, we were having love, we were having fun and working, the locals, they couldn't understand that side of Christianity. And they said to me, why they're waking for free? And I just tell them after they've gone that, look, they love Jesus. Wow. Sad. That's quick... our biggest testimony. Um, we can give each a partnership with each other. And also we are family in one, you know. And <laughs> I repeatedly, even now, I still face people and they still ask me that. Uh, Terence, your thoughts for Sad? Share with that. That's, that's hit it right on the head. We love, you know, it's all done out of love. We love the church. We love the local communities. And, you know, Jesus said that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so love is an expression of, of the heart that says, how can I help you? How can we help? And uh, our teams go in. We've had lots of letters from pastors, and one in particular was from a pastor out in Griffith once who, who wrote to us and said, you know, you came to renovate our church, but you renovated our hearts. And uh, that is the most beautiful. I've still got that letter, and it, it meant so much to me. I ended up driving all the way to Griffith just to have lunch with him one day, <laughs> and and talk to him and say, you know, what do we do? And he said, you, your guys, they just sat down and talked to us. And look, that's one of the things we do in the partnership. Every morning tea time, every time uh, morning tea comes around, we have a devotion on site. We encourage the locals to be involved in that, to share a meal with we if we can in COVID situations to share a meal with us, to share that Bible study, to pray with us on site. And we will pray for your local church. We will pray for the, the mission of the local church and the work we're doing to help them do that because we're not there as, as outsiders coming in. We're there as partners with them in their mission. Thank you, Sat. Wonderful to hear from you. And time is short. Let's take one more call. Leani is in Burnie in Tasmania. Hello, Leani. Welcome along. Hi, how are you? Good. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm involved in an amazing church, uh, which has a wonderful children's ministry. But the thing that they've done is uh, bought a coffee cart. And at the end of the church service, the coffee cart is outside the, the church, out near the road. And anybody can come along and just have a coffee. And if they're curious about the church or about Christianity, 
I've never seen any church do this, and I absolutely am amazed that you know they, they're skipping out and they're doing something, meeting people where they're at, not expecting the people to come into the church, but meeting them where they're at. Liani, you've got to think in a contemporary way. What a great idea. A quick thought from you, Terence. Oh, yes. It's not me, though. No, 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 but you've seen it happen and you recognise its value. Terence. Neil, it, it, it's what we mentioned before. It's engagement. It's what is, how does the local church engage with the community? And that is a beautiful example. First of all, I love coffee, so I, I should find out where that is. And the next time I'm Tassie, I'll go and get a coffee and share the time with them. But, but that engagement, it's, it's not about us preaching at people. It's about sharing the love and, and just being with them uh, in their day-to-day struggles and saying, how can we help you? That's what engagement is. How do we engage with the local community to make a meaningful difference that displays the love of Christ? And then sooner or later, if you keep doing it, love and serve, love and serve, love and serve. This is for every church. And sooner or later, somebody's going to ask you why. And that's the opportunity to share. Leani, thank you so much for your call. And time is now run out. But just... To uh, just to give listeners uh, that challenge uh, because uh, there's two things you can talk about here today uh, matching the needs with the skills and this is what mobile mission maintenance does and not restricted by borders uh, working all over Australia mobile mission maintenance and the website is mmm.org.au so if you recognise that there's a need in your local church and maybe you've got to call the right people uh, the right leaders in your church to say, hey, I'm going to connect to MMM and we'll see what, you know, we'll get the ball rolling and see what can happen here. But it may be just that gentle nudge uh, to uh, to just get those leaders in your church on side with what you're doing. I'm not saying you go and do something underhanded. So get the leaders on side, but you can connect with MMM today and there are two tabs. One says request assistance. So if you have a church and you have some needs, uh, well, why don't you open up a conversation with Mobile Mission Maintenance and they'll be on the other side because there's another tab that says Get Involved and those skills that are needed for the job at hand can be connected. This connectivity uh, is just amazing. So take advantage of the opportunity today to be connected with Mobile Mission Maintenance. It is a wonderful organisation. It is widespread all around Australia and there uh, another opportunity today to just to, to connect those needs uh, with uh, those uh, skills that are required. And Terence Baxter, who is the CEO at Mobile Mission Maintenance, Terence, uh, always love chatting to you, and I know you get a great response when we have these conversations, uh, expecting some good stories to come out of it, but thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It's my pleasure, Neil. And Neil, I just want to say before I go, and I, I didn't come on to, to do this, but I know uh, I was listening to Phil on, on your broadcast before saying that you're $20,000 short. You're only $19,000 short now because I'm contributing $1,000 to to what you do. I mean that seriously. Right. Uh, I'll put that through in the, in the next day or so. And can I encourage listeners, vision is so important to the well-being of Christians around Australia. 
why don't you get in and donate to to the work of Vision and make sure that that twenty thousand gets filled by the end of today? Uh, well, I tell you, it is very close now, and uh, we may well be making a little decision to change directions with twenty twenty after we say goodbye and uh, and uh, and we move on from here. But Terence, just uh, great to have you on twenty twenty. We'll do this again sometime soon. There's lots of good things to talk to you about. Uh, I'll encourage listeners to respond on that Facebook question today, uh, and not all the the responses on Facebook are very positive about church buildings, so uh, you might like to uh, add your own thoughts there about what sort of image improvements are needed in local churches to meet 21st century expectations. Terence Baxter, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.